Hey, how's it going? It's uh, an awesome, another great episode of Meet Me for Coffee. We had Testament on, um, of course, Gene Hoagland and Steve from that band. And uh, now we're going even more thrash than ever. Uh, with a band called Aftermath. Check this out. Uh, Aftermath, they have an awesome record. I really appreciate Peter and the label at Zoid Entertainment sending me this. It's called There Is Something Wrong. This is this awesome shirt. looks awesome. Amazing on me. We have Gidiakos from the Aftermath fan on. How's it going, man? Thanks for joining Good. me. Good. Thanks, George. And uh, it's a pleasure having coffee with you on a Friday afternoon. Yeah. How do you take your coffee? Um, well, just uh, cream. Just cream, not Medrios. No, but uh, when I drink Greek coffee, it's metrio or sometimes a little bit uh, on the sweet side. But I, I like all kinds of coffee, you know, but I, I drink Greek coffee mostly, you know, like the Turkish kind of Greek or whatever. Yeah, that's the best, man. That stuff wakes you up. It's good to play, bef to have it before you play a show and stuff like that. It's very, it's a, it's a clear high, right? Yeah, yeah, it definitely wakes you up. So does a frappe, you know, a Greek one. Yeah, what, what's with all these people at Starbucks making, uh, you know, frappuccinos? We're the ones who invented it, right? I know. For, for at least 20 years, going to Greece in the 80s during the summer, for at least 20, 10, 15 years, it was ours. And then all of a sudden, it became everywhere, you know? Yeah, it, it, it's absolutely uh, – it's one of the trendsetters. And, of course, uh, both of us being Greek as we are, um, Greeks do trends for a lot of uh, big things. Uh, uh and I, I really believe that your band set a very cool trend um, with the thrash, man, the, the metal. Um, one cool thing that I, I really got into when I was researching your band was the fact that when I type in Aftermath Band, um, it's a split screen between Dr. Dre and your group. So I, I noticed there was a, a bit of a lawsuit going on between you guys. Uh, he wanted to take your Aftermath name. And of course, posted everywhere and make a lot of money like he has, right? Um, talk about that. Like, how'd that start? Um, did he ask you to take the name, or did he just take it? No, he. Uh, they asked me in a sneaky way because uh, this was ninety uh, middle of the nineties, and at the time, I used to work at a one-stop record distributor called Baker and Taylor. And right before I was leaving for work one afternoon, I uh, flipped over, and then I get a call from. Uh, this uh, lawyer from Los Angeles yeah, trying to pronounce my Greek name. He goes, it's uh, you know, he said it all messed up. And then uh, slowly he started saying stuff where I go, this is weird, man. This guy, uh, first of all, he said his name and I recognized his name that he was Metallica's attorney. But I, as the conversation went on, he basically called up real quick that they left this little issue of the name hanging till like the, really almost the last moment because Dre was setting up his uh, record company and he had a compilation I'm going coming out called been there, done that. So everything was taken care of. There's a fall release. And this was like late summer. He called me. And then he said that uh, they noticed that I have a trademark on the name and uh, it, a small R and B label is starting. Nobody will ever really hear of it. And uh, they'll send me $5,000 uh, just so, uh, for the hell of it. He, was, he said, you can't, he kept saying, you can't do nothing to us. We're going to use it anyways. But we're just sending you $5,000 and uh, hope that's cool. And then I told him I got to go. I told him my brother's in law school. Can you talk to him from now on? And then uh, after that, that's the last time I talked to him until like we ended up taking him to court like months later, like with a preliminary injunction to stop the release of the album coming out. 
because we were issued a trademark by the U.S. government patent or whatever, the office that uh, supplies that stuff. We paid money for it, and you think you're protected, and then you take them to court, and then you end up saying the judge says you guys could go to a further trial, which would cost money, but they could use it, you know? So what's the point of having the trademark? And then, and especially it was funny at that time, we were showing that rap and metal were merging, you know, that Rage Against the Machine, Limp Bizkit, the new metal stuff coming up. And they were trying to make it seem like there was no way these two genres will ever meet, you know, like they didn't realize that it's all successful music, whether rap or metal, they ended up meeting in certain magazines advertising. But, uh, and the point is that he came to me in the beginning just to rip me off, to not even, he, I only knew he was Pete Paternal. He wasn't going to say he was Metallica's attorney. He was making it seem like I'm some guy from some little tiny label, you know? Yeah, and and plus, I know a lot of these these big big hitters, they uh, they go ahead and use the name or go ahead and use the song or the the sample, and then they hopefully you don't discover it or they tell you about it after. They used to do that. The rap guys back in the old day, like they would have all these samples, in and if they figured it out, figured it out. I'm I don't know if they, they I don't think they do that as much anymore, but that's how it kind of was. Like he just like wanted to con me out of, you know taking them to court. But again, to take them to court, we just happened to get these two lawyers that did it pro bono, you know, because it, it costs a lot of money to battle uh, Universal Records. Yeah. And Jimmy Iovine and those kind, you know, they got endless pockets, you know what I mean? So we just got to the preliminary injunction where it lasted three days in federal court downtown in Chicago. Holy moly. I can't even imagine. So what was the outcome then? The outcome was that uh, um, they could we could coexist, but we could still had a final trial with a jury or whatever, like uh, if we wanted to do it, um, what was the word called? What was the word? Regular trial. Yeah, regular trial, but we couldn't do it. You know, there was no point in going on, you know. They already started using the name. What was the point? Yeah. Wow. What they, uh, the, the, the thing was, you didn't want them to use it at all. Once they used it and the, everybody knew he was using it, the, 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 it was over, you know. Yeah, I mean, if you look it up, there's the, uh, is it the uh, Dr. Dre versus uh, Ciolis? That's what it is uh, on uh, Google. And uh, Yeah, yeah, Ciolis versus Dr. Dre. And the funny thing is that that case, I guess, we ran into, uh, coincidentally, uh, at a bar downtown one time, and uh, some girls that were going to law school, and uh, it came up that they studied that case in trademark law and uh you know, in their school, I don't know, they wanted to follow whatever, they were studying trademark law, and it's a... Uh, it's a precedent. Well, I don't know if it is, but I mean, they, they were studying it. So it was it's like going going to war with one of the biggest people in the industry. Um, yeah. Right yeah, now. He used, us, yeah, he used to call us the rock boys in Chicago, you know, because before we got to court, the money that they were offering on the phone to my brother, it went from 50000 to uh, the 200,000, whatever, it kept going up in 50,000 increments, you know what I mean? So you're going, to, what up with those rock boys? They didn't get the, they, they refused it in the last offer or whatever, you know? Little did he know we had these lawyers we were preparing to sue him, so it was kind of a surprise that we actually took him to court. Yeah, and you know what, that records, that record label has had a lot of great successes, Eminem, and, and other ones, other artists as well. And um, You guys have been around for quite some time. Uh, the late 80s was when you guys first got together, right? Yeah, we got together. Um, we first formed in 85, um, October 31st of 85, a Halloween night. We first had our first practice. The three of us meet Stephen Ray. And then six months later, we got a bass player, uh, Skinhead, 
punk rocker named uh, Adam. And uh, at that time, we started playing. Uh, see, it wasn't crossover yet. We were calling it thrashcore. Thrash metal just started a few years before with Kill 'Em All and Show No Mercy and uh, you know the Big Four. But uh, the crossover thing didn't really start happening until '87, '88 is when the term got coined. So we were in that phase where there wasn't really a name. Everywhere you didn't, there wasn't a set term for the name of the genre. And uh, we started playing uh, crossover and we made a couple of demos, but we made a demo called Killing the Future. They got really popular all over the world in the underground. And uh, it's five songs like Blistering Speed, uh, Social Commentary, you know, the lyrics. It was like one of the first crossover demos out there. And uh, when that was getting popular and we were getting offers and magazines were loving it, we were building, I was getting mail from all over the world. Magazines were uh, Metal Forces picked it for their compilation album of five best bands of that era, you know, for uh, Scream Your Brains Out. It was a vinyl that came out in Europe, you know, and it was a real big honor to get in that magazine because everybody loved Metal Forces, you know, and uh, eventually we added a second guitar player and then we, we turned into a progressive technical thrash band. And, and, and you guys tour too. You guys go play festivals over in Europe and stuff like that. Well, we went to Europe the first time on our reunion. We went to Germany, but back then we didn't. We were only we were around from '85 till 1996, and then we broke up. And then we 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 made another album. On a, that's another uh, part of it. We became Mother God movie star for two years, where we were on a major label, and it was an experimental phase. It was like it was aftermath turning into an electronic DJ at the end. But that was the one album, one album thing called Mother God Movie Star. So it was like when the Beatles were trying to do uh, Sgt. Pepper's and they made a pretend band. It was yeah. kind of like that thing. Obviously, not to compare ourselves to the great Beatles, but you know what I'm saying, same concept. Well, what do you what do you uh, attribute to you guys being together so long? Like, what's the what what makes it work? Well, the three of us when we play together, which is after me, Stephen Ray, and our bass player now George is the newest addition. The three of us, we just feel like it's. Like when we had the 20 year break, we didn't play for 20 years. When we got back together, it felt like we never stopped, you know? And uh, we don't feel like we've been used up because no, we didn't tour constantly back then because we, we refused the real cheesy, bad uh, record deals like from New Renaissance, you know, all, all those underground labels that were totally ripping you off uh, blindly. And then we didn't want to do no tours where we'd end up hating being in a band. So we just concentrated on writing music and uh, making some demos and we made a debut album, and then we were gone. And then we came back in 2015, and it's almost like they didn't go on Steve and Ray playing with a million other bands. I played in some other bands, but they didn't go on on the grind of the music, burning out the musician and making them seem it's just like a business, no fun at all. So when we got back together, it feels as fresh as it did. And that's why, if you listen to the album, uh, there is something wrong. The thrash we play on there, it's as fast as our, the mid-'80s cro early crossover stuff. It's blistering angry music you know but it's a concept album man it's the whole package that uh is angry to begin with though you know so new music in the works yeah right now that's what we're working on we got uh we're gonna have a new album coming out nine song new album and we got all the songs written we're just getting them tight i gotta finalize all the lyrics that i'm using and uh we gotta go record it so unreal, man like I, I really dig this this is uh uh awesome i, I got the record here i I haven't listened to it on vinyl yet, but I have listened to it on the CD. It's, it's great. Like, I, I don't know. It's, it just makes me feel good when I listen to it. And, um, it's a concept. 
Yeah, it's great. Even just going back, like you know, on Spotify and checking out your previous records and um, and and seeing how far you guys have come, it's something to be proud of, right? I mean, you guys are still friends, which is absolutely amazing. I know bands can't go six months without breaking up or throwing somebody out. So, congrats. Yeah, it's it's weird because uh, we are lucky that you know the same guys that started it in '85 in that basement are downstairs right now. We're here in the building on a Friday in 2020 uh, about to start rehearsal and uh, with new music. You know what I mean? It's pretty wild. And even if nobody, even in the world, if you don't know, uh, you got to appreciate this. They're real, Stephen Ray, the way they play the musicians in Aftermath, they play real music. Like they even shocked the engineers because they play the song straight through. It's not the fake music that's now, you know, where the kids aren't even being in the same room. They're just trading files on the internet and they're not even, uh, Sorry, excuse me. And they're just trading files, and it doesn't feel like they they gelled enough to become a tight band, and all the albums sound the same because it's all like like in grids. It's, it doesn't sound it doesn't sound real. You know, the music sounds all the same and all fake. Yeah, it's half produced. And there's no in room chemistry when you're yeah. jamming. That's what I miss, man. Like up here in Canada, I can't even do that anymore. But I know you guys can. So live it up and enjoy it because yeah, I can grab you right now and. Zoom in, go downstairs, man, yeah. and you can see us play, man. That'd be great down in the basement because it's a it's a nice cozy room. It's all a rock room, and uh, the sound down there just is like just the way you want to hear a band live, you know? Yeah, your your manager's gonna have to order some food if I come down there. They're gonna be pretty hungry. Um, yeah, gonna have to fly you out. <laughs> yeah, I would love to, man. That'd be awesome. We'll do a show just in person, and and uh, you know. Uh, shoot the shit that way, man. It'd be great because, uh, you know, I love thrash metal. I love rock and roll. I love playing guitar. I like collaborating with people and um, in, in collaboration with you, like talking to you now. This is so cool. Um, and, and thrash metal, out of all the subgenres of heavy metal, is the most honest and pure. I mean, it's really the one that is the closest to the original idea of what heavy metal should be. Like if you've seen Black Sabbath in 1970 in Paris <clears throat> on stage, they were dressed with streetwear, you know, no fixed up hair, you know, no teased hair, just like down dirt. And it was just like guys off the street jamming to this powerful music. And if you see thrash bands, it's the same concept, street clothes, long hair, but long hair, but dirty. Excuse me. Sorry about that. And uh, talking about what was War Pigs about, about anti-Vietnam, thrash metal covers, you know, social issues, not, no fantasy, no dumb Heavy metal cliches. It, it's. I think it's the best show. And it's the metal is the best show yeah. we can go to. Straight yeah, so up. Turn on. Yeah. So, sorry, George. No, metal's the best show you can go to, right? And and that's yeah, that's yeah. definitely something that I could say with full confidence. Like any metal show, I mean, it keeps you going. The energy's there. The people are having a good time. Uh, you probably get drunker at a metal show than anywhere else. Like, who wants to go to a Drake concert and get drunk? Like. No, I can't no, get that guy. Like um, metal or hard rock, like the right band playing. It, it's it, the energy in that room and all the togetherness of the whole crowd, especially singing big choruses, you know, or like wh whether whether it's Iron Maiden or whatever. Uh, it's 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 like a, a magical experience. Who's your favorite band? Well, growing up, well, originally, man, what really got me into music was obviously uh, Mr. Gene Simmons and crew, you know, because I, I loved Ace Fraley as a little child. When I seen Kiss, just like a million other people, they look like cartoon characters, you know. But after Kiss was Van Halen. Yeah. I love Van Halen, man, the original Van Halen. And then, you know, after that, I'm a music fanatic. It, it, it grew to, whether it's John Coltrane, uh, Carcass, 
uh, or or the orb or whatever, you know what I mean? As long as it was good and it was like pure music and it was really, really like an artist that's uh, experimenting and wanting his music to be great for nothing more than making great music for other music, music lovers, I, could, I would sense it and I would like it, you know, if it was like coming from that. As long as it wasn't just generic, cheesy pop or music made to sell for, you know, no matter what it was, you know what I mean? I just liked real music, you know? Yeah, real authentic groove to your music. Real authentic lyrics that are not written by anyone else except for you. Uh, awesome, awesome riffs, pounding drums, the bass just stand up awesome. And, and you know what? Like that's the whole motto that I want to see going forward. And I feel like you guys are some great role models for that. So thanks a lot, thanks a lot man. Oh, man. This is awesome. I, I you know I was freaking out earlier today. Uh, you know, I was trying to figure out what time we're going to do this show and um, listen to your music. And I was, you know, doing something else. And it's like, man, it's, I, it actually really got me into what I wanted to, to, to do at that time. I was trying to do some work around the house and prepare for the show and um, definitely go out, pick up. There is something wrong from Aftermath. What's your website? Where can people pick, pick this up? Aftermathchicago.com. Awesome, man. Thank you so much. And, and you know what? That thing you said about the house and playing music, that's when I really love an album. Like, I remember growing up, and it, if you had, a, let's say, vacuum, you know, well, vacuum or, you know, clean, you know, if, before your parents came home, blasting your favorite album made a mundane thing like cleaning a room a pleasure because of the music. So yeah. you saying that with that is great, man. Thanks a lot. Uh, thank you so much for being on this show, man. I, it's thank a you too. privilege, man. Um, Chicago's Aftermath. You want to check out Seolis versus Dr. Dre, uh, the lawsuit. So awesome. Trademark lawsuit. If you're really into uh, the business and uh, some history behind the music, it's definitely something to check out. Thanks a lot, Kiriakos. Enjoy band practice. Thanks a lot, George. And I'll talk to you soon, maybe one day in person.